In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for calling us together here tonight to be in your real presence. Jesus, we believe that you are really, truly, substantially present here. Body, blood, heart and soul and divinity. Jesus, please increase our faith. Jesus, we pray for revival. We pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come upon each and every one of us here tonight so that we can have a new encounter with you that will be life-giving, that will be healing, that will be inspiring, that will allow us to grow in your grace, that will allow your resurrected life to be lived out in us more and more. Heavenly Father, we gather here as your sons and daughters in the presence of Jesus, your Son. We thank you, Father, for the gift of faith. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for this holy season of Lent. We thank you for this opportunity to come together tonight with friends and family to worship you, to adore you, to honor you and glorify you. We pray for ourselves and all of our personal intentions. We pray for our families, our children, our brothers and sisters. We pray for this church community here at St. John Fisher. We pray for the Archdiocese of Detroit. We pray for our state of Michigan. We pray for our country. We pray for our world. So in need of your mercy. So in need of the light of faith. So in need of healing and reconciliation. Holy Spirit, come. Come in power. Come in glory tonight. We pray for more faith, more hope, more love. We pray for more knowledge and wisdom and understanding and counsel and fortitude and piety and awe and wonder. Lord Jesus, fan into flame the gifts that we have all received that allow us to know you, that allow us to respond to your revelation in faith, that allow us to grow in friendship with you and to do the things that you yourself did and even greater things, as you said we would do. Mother Mary, we crown you the queen of our gathering here tonight. And we invoke as well the intercession of St. Joseph, your most chaste spouse, so we can draw close to Jesus with confidence as you did. And so we prayed together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So I want to read from Matthew's gospel here. The baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So I wanted to preach a little bit tonight on not only the love of the Father, but our identity in Christ as his sons and daughters. And to help you appreciate it I hope a little bit more from God's perspective. I like to say that God is always the protagonist in our relationship with him. He's our creator. He didn't have to create us, which means that he wanted to create us. So he made a choice to create out of love, to share with us, his creatures, his divine life. And when we, when we sinned and fell from grace, from that relationship with him, he decided to save us by sending his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So God took that initiative on our behalf. We didn't do anything to deserve that. On the contrary, St. Paul would say, we were like enemies of Christ. And yet he still chose to come and die for us so that we could have eternal life with him. So God took the initiative to then baptize us. I like to say that it was the Father who claimed us for himself through the Son in the Spirit. So we now belong to God. God claimed us for himself. You might say that he even branded our souls with the sign of the cross as a reminder to us of who we belong to. 
And isn't that something that we all desire? We all want to know that we belong, that we are wanted, especially by God. And of course, that applies to our family and friends and communities as well. We're made for community. We're made for communion. We long to belong, you could say. We all long to belong to God. And and he longs for that too. Again, that's why he created us. That's why he saved us. So he's revealed that to us. I like to remind my audiences that Christianity is a religion of revelation, which means that God has revealed to us who he is and what he has done for us. And he also reveals to us who we are. You might agree with me that our society in general is experiencing a great identity crisis. Well, that's because so many people don't know God and don't know that he tells us who we are. So he reveals that to us. He reveals to us that we belong And what is our response to that revelation? The Catechism says that our proper response to that revelation is faith. Faith. So we believe. We believe. Tonight I'll lead us through what I call activations. Many of them will just simply be acts of faith. We'll do one right now, all together, okay? So just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I'm a child of God. Amen. <laughs> and whether or not that feels true to you as you say it, it doesn't really matter right here, right now. But the more you make that act of faith, the more you give a chance for the Holy Spirit to confirm it for you so that more and more you will be convinced. It will feel true to you more and more as you make more and more acts of faith. That's how it works. And that's why faith, hope, and love are so important. The theological virtues, we received them at our baptism. And they're called the theological virtues because they allow us to relate to God, to respond in faith to his revelation. Which allows us then to have hope, hope of salvation, which allows us to then really participate more in the life of the Holy Trinity, which is love, because God is love. God doesn't just love, he is love. And he wants us to experience that in a tangible way. Just as any good father expresses his love to his children, through his words, 
through his actions, by sharing his affections, so too God wants to share all of that with us, his children. And I like to say that's the Holy Spirit's job. <laughs> Not that he acts independently of the Father or the Son, but we can at least ascribe that to the Holy Spirit. He makes present for us the Father and the Son. And he transmits to us, to our spirits, the love of God and the truth of God and the truth of who we are and their goodness, their love. They allow us to love and to live in a supernatural way, in a supernatural way. Because by virtue of our baptism, we have been changed. We have been changed. We're now sons and daughters of God in the order of grace. We've been adopted by God. Again, he's the protagonist. He wanted to be your father forever. Forever. And he is always faithful. Even if we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you don't have to do anything to deserve that or earn that. All he asks you to do is believe. So we had, I'll do it this way for you so that you could follow it from your left to right. So we have belonging. God has revealed to us that we belong to him then we believe that. At least that's what we're invited to do. We're invited to believe that. And as I said, the more we believe it, the more his life, the more the Holy Spirit comes. And then that allows us to behave, just to keep the bees going, okay? So that allows us to behave like him and to live a supernatural lifestyle to do the things that he did. To think like he does, because as Paul says, we have the mind of Christ, thanks to the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ. So we can actually think like Christ does. And he can think through us and in us. We can speak with the authority of Christ. And as he told his disciples, you can even cast out demons in my name. You can heal people in my name. You can work miracles just like he did. These signs will accompany those who believe. It's at the end of Mark's gospel. You want me to read it for you? Mark 16.10. One of our favorites. Mark 16.10. Where am I? 
here we go. Oh, sorry, not 16.10, 16.17. It's hard to read up here. <laughs> and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Let me repeat that, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So, not just priests, not just bishops, not just people with special charisms for healing, but for everyone who believes. That's all of you. <laughs> so, you can, we can all do these things because Jesus said so. <laughs> so on his authority. So let's make an act of faith in that, shall we? In the name of Jesus, I believe that I can do the works of God. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I can speak with the authority of Christ and even cast out demons. Thank you, Jesus. So, more importantly than all of that, as St. Paul says, the greatest of these gifts is love. And so we can love like Christ loved. And if we look at the crucifix, we're reminded of how he loved us to the end, laying down his life for us. That's not a natural kind of love. That just doesn't happen because you're a good person. We can't love like Christ loved without his grace, without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. But, as Jesus said, all things are possible for those who believe. So, you might be struggling with something emotionally, physically, spiritually. And maybe you've tried really hard to do better. But let me submit to you here tonight that it's not about trying harder. It's not about trying harder. Because oftentimes that is something that we ourselves are trying to do on our own. So it's an ungodly kind of self-reliance. Even though we might pray we end up trying to control things in such a way that circumstances get better or we do better. When in reality, Jesus is inviting us to, deep, to, to just keep trusting and believing in him, in his goodness, in his mercy. We got the divine, uh, divine mercy image over there with the signature that Jesus himself asked to be placed 
on the image, Jesus, I trust in you. So instead of relying on ourselves and our own willpower, not that willpower isn't important because we have to collaborate with Jesus, but ultimately we have to trust in him and depend on him and his grace at work in us. And his love is what heals us. It's the experience of his divine mercy, of his unconditional love of his faithful love. That's what heals us. That's what sets us free from whatever it might be. Our sins, our fears, our obsessions and compulsions. That's what we ought to be seeking. That's what gives us rest. That's what sets us free. As he himself said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But it's not just an intellectual kind of knowledge. We're talking about experiential knowledge. We're talking about encounter. A real living encounter with the living God. And as you have that encounter in prayer, you are healed. You are set free. You are strengthened. You're filled with hope. So just know that he is very patient. God is very patient. And he doesn't hold things against you. He's not ashamed of you. We tend to be ashamed of ourselves and we're pretty quick to shame other people. But that's not who God is. He doesn't want you to be afraid of him at all. He doesn't want you to be afraid to get real with him and to reveal to him your struggles, your hurts, your wounds, that need healing, your difficulties. He doesn't want you to be afraid to reveal those to him. Because when we reveal it to him, we bring it to the light, as we say. And that's what's so beautiful about all the candles up here. Our eyes are naturally drawn to the light. You can't not Look at the light when there's darkness. And Jesus, of course, said that he is the light of the world. But he also said that we are the light of the world. And that's true because he shared his light with you. Let's make that act of faith. In the name of Jesus, Jesus. I believe that I am the light of the world because Jesus shared his light with me. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I'm a child of the light and I belong to the kingdom of light that has overcome the darkness. 
of sin and death. Amen. Amen. This is who we are. Children of the light. And that's why it's so important that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not the nightly news, brothers and sisters. Because that's pretty much full of darkness, right? And we are what we see, and we are what we eat, and we are what we hear. So if you want to be filled with light, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and have your ears, especially the ears of your heart, have your ears attentive to the word of God. And the more that you are attentive to his word and the more that you keep your eyes fixed on him in prayer, in adoration, the more you'll be filled with his life the more you'll be healed. The more you will experience for yourself how you are loved, how you are wanted, how you are chosen, how you belong, how you've been called by name to be his friend, to be his disciple. I wanted to read to from John chapter 15. We'll jump to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So Jesus wants to make you happy. As he said himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's make an act of faith in that. In the name of Jesus, I believe that God wants to make me happy and that he came to save me. And give me eternal life. And he says he wants his joy to be in us. What is his joy? Think about that. What is the joy of Jesus? It's being in the being, not doing. <laughs> it's being in the presence of his father and the Holy Spirit. It's that eternal embrace of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's Jesus contemplating his Father who is delighting in him, the Son, with the Holy Spirit. It's abiding, it's being. All of that 
overdoing. <laughs> the doing will flow, will come from the being. So that's, that's where we get this, you know, belong and, and believe and behave turned around sometimes. I don't know about you, but I think most of us grew up hearing, well, you better behave, right? We started off with behaving. <laughs> you better behave and you better believe me <laughs> or you're not going to belong. So we were actually threatened with not belonging if we didn't behave. Now, maybe that motivated us for a little while, but that was all based on what? Fear. Exactly. Does God want us to be afraid of him? No. Does he want us to be motivated by fear? No. Yet, I think that's how many of us were motivated. It's backwards. That's not the good news. That's not the good news, dear brothers and sisters. The good news is that we belong because of what he did for us. All he does is ask us to believe that so that we can do the works that he did and share in his joy completely, to share in his glory completely, totally, forever. That's what God wants. So all we got to do is come into agreement with that. I know it's easier said than done, right? It's easier said than done. But he makes it happen. This is kind of the point. He makes it happen. So along with this belonging, believing, and behaving, we could also think about this, that I am his child, and because I am his child, I have access to everything in the Father's house because I'm now a citizen of heaven. As St. Paul says, my citizenship is now in heaven. And so I am a child of God. I have access to everything in the Father's house so that I can do what he asks me to do. But again, sometimes we would... That's our identity. But again, the world would have us approach it, again, from the opposite perspective, from the, the other way, right? It would say, well, you do, you are what you do, very utilitarian kind of mentality. And based on what you do, then you get to have things based on what you do. And then because of what you have and because of what you do, well, that's who you are. That's what defines you. See how backwards that is? And what a burden that is. And we've all felt that, I'm sure. We've all experienced that burden and, and just how exhausting that can be. Feeling like we always have to do and we always have to keep up with the Joneses so that we can be somebody. We have to somehow earn our identity. But that's not the gospel. It's not who we are. 
So Jesus shares his joy with us by bringing us into that union with the Father in the Holy Spirit. They want us to participate in that being, in that embrace. And it's a tender embrace. It's like God wants to cradle you. He wants to cradle you in his heart. He wants to affirm you, just as the Father affirmed Jesus at his baptism. We just read it right at the beginning of tonight. This is my beloved son. The Father was affirming Jesus, his son, in his humanity. And we all need that. We all need to hear that we're loved and that we're wanted and that we're good. If we're going to thrive if we're going to become all that God created us to be, if we're going to become saints, if we're going to love in a supernatural kind of way, it starts with our intimate, daily, prolonged encounter with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to wrap things up here. And I'm going to go through the aisles here with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. I'll have the humeral veil on. We'll start the music up again. And I'll go nice and slow. And I'll stop every couple pews. Give a blessing. So you can all have this rather personal encounter with God. And it's Jesus coming out to meet you. The Father sent the Son into the world. And tonight Jesus is coming out to you in a special way. And if you even want to touch the humeral veil gently as I pass by, hold it for a second, feel free to do that too. And pray for healing in the spirit of that woman who had the hemorrhage. And the Gospels, who said, if I can just touch his cloak, the tassel of his cloak, I'll be healed. And she was healed because of her faith. So make an act of faith tonight. Let's do it all together. Come on, we're on a roll. In the name of Jesus, I believe that you can heal me, Jesus. I believe, Jesus, that you want to come and meet me tonight. In a new way, in a personal way, in a profound way, that will heal my heart and my body and set me free from all my fears. Amen.